uh, chapter 2 and we stopped at verse 12. So I kind of want to catch up uh, where we left off at uh, last week. 2 Timothy chapter uh, 2, we left off on verse 12. Well, Hallelujah. Actually 13. Well, I, I, is, did I do 13 or did I stop? Uh, yes, they still waiting to come in because I got all my notes and you're talking about these next things. Amen. Really, you got to follow the devil because it's 13 in the middle of the Well, yeah. Okay. Amen. So he says in 11, he says, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If, oh, if we deny him, he also will deny us. So in other words, there's uh, faithfulness. Amen. He says, it's a faithful saying, for if we are dead with him, then he say what? We shall. And of course, this, this is one of those scriptures uh, that goes uh, with baptism. This is one of the scriptures that you would use if you're teaching a baptism class. Uh, the old people, you don't hear it say much these days, but you know the old folks used to call it the watery grave. Uh, that's because it's a, baptism is somewhat symbolic of the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the old people used to say, he went down a dry devil and came up a wet one. Well, you know, for, for, for most of us, that is true, though. You know, uh, the Holy Spirit, our uh, maturity in Christ, it's a process. And, and some of us, after we get baptized that same day, we still have the same behaviors that we had. But that is when the change begins to take place. So, you know, uh, we, would, we wouldn't say that it's acceptable. You know, you've been baptized four, five, six years. I don't want to put a time on it. But we should be maturing as we grow after we accept Christ as our Savior and we become baptized. So if we die with him, uh, give up our life, in other words. If you were to give up your life, amen, for him, then you would live. Uh, of course, he's talking about eternal life as well. So he says in verse 12, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Now, this is something that the church, the church is very... Uh, uh, negligent in teaching the Christian today is that we have to be able to go through things as Christians and really and truthfully with this new generation teaching and we have to remember that Revelation, one of the things Revelation is trying to show us is that there is an apostate church. Well what makes it an apostate church? Uh, heresy teaching. When, when, when the church is just gathering as a group of people because of, uh, 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 it, it kind of is what the word congregation means. Congregation is not a church-specific word. Congregation is any gathering of people. Now, we've said pertaining to the church, but you can have congregations show up at City Hall for, for a city council meeting. Congregations show up for football games. So congregations is just a group of people that have gathered for a specific purpose. But when we look at the way that we're teaching scripture, let's go to Peter's letter. Let's go to 1 Peter. Uh, 1 Peter. Amen. And he talks about uh, 
when we suffer for doing wrong, that's thanks worthy to God. Now, I don't really like that, but that's what Peter says. Y'all help me find it real quick. Two. Chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. Amen. So he talks about who verily was uh, foreordained before the foundation of the world, but with, no, that's not what coming. So, uh, he says, but how is it to your credit if you Yeah, 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 where you at? First Peter 2. Oh, I was still in one, okay, okay. Let me get to the right place, there you go. Amen, he says, for what glory is it if when you are buffeted, and in that context he meant harmed or beat for your faults, you shall take it patiently. He said, What's, what glory is in that? But when you do well, you haven't done nothing wrong, and you got to suffer for it. He says, and you take it patiently, that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Now watch this. Let's read verse 21 too. For even unto where you are called. Now read this in the King James, and that's why it's got the uh, King's language. He says, you've been called to this. Because Christ also suffered, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. What is the example that Christ left us? One of them. You committed no sin, yet no deceit is found in his mouth. Well, it was really talking about what he mentioned earlier, suffering. Yeah, he didn't say nothing about it. Yeah, and then it kind of explains it. When you read now, it explains what suffering he went through. But, you know, this... This concept that we teach in the, the, the Christians these days, the concept is wrong. I'm going to just say it out point blank. That concept is wrong is to have a person accept Christ and you are joining a spiritual battle, but we're telling people that it's all good. And it's the Bible. You know, there, there's, there's just so many things that's in Scripture that the church is just not teaching the people no more. Well, somebody might say, well, how do you know what they're teaching? Well, you can look at the society. How you know? How you know what you pick up an apple and then say, well, what tree did this come from? What tree that came from? It came from an apple tree. Because you would know the trees, how? By the fruit that they bear. So we having the opportunity to be able to to be able to teach God's word, we have to teach God's word how God how, how, how it's written in the Bible. You can't just make this say what you, but that's what the, this is what our dispensation of Christianity has done. We've taken God's word and made it say what we want it to say. And as, he, as Peter said in his book, uh, there's people with itchy ears. And to make the pastor feel good, you know, and everybody won't like us. When you post something on Facebook, how many times you go back today to check to see if you got any likes? So everybody want likes. Amen. Everybody want thumbs up. But in this job right here, you're not going to get many. And I'll say this. If you're getting thumbs up and pats on the back, you probably ain't doing it right. Then you should watch this. We Christians. Then you should get cracked, uh, pats on the backs and thumbs up? No, he got killed. Uh-huh. And watch this, not only did he get killed for speaking the truth, so did, the, so did uh, uh, 11 of the apostles. You can count 12, because Judas killed himself, same thing, for the same reason. It was all about Jesus. So, 
one thing that that, that I have become uh, I have become comfortable with is the fact that I'm not gonna get a whole lot of likes. I'm not gonna get a whole bunch of views on my website, on my Facebook Live page. I'm not gonna get all that. Women don't want to hear that abortion is wrong. Amen. Even people who ain't gay don't want to hear that homosexuality is wrong. In this society, you got people that ain't even gay and get mad at you because you're telling the truth about homosexuality. It's just the Bible, y'all. Hallelujah. Amen. Folk get mad in finance class. You tell them why they broke. They get mad. Instead of changing their ways, they get mad. Amen. Amen. Get to heaven, but nobody want to die. Yeah, yeah, there was something else. It's along that same line, but you know, everybody wants to, you know, the glory, but nobody wants to do what it takes to get there. Nobody yeah. wants to crown. Just like in sports, yeah. we learn real early. You don't come to practice all week. Guess what happened on Friday? You don't get to play. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like I always say about it at the track. What would have happened if I would have did what I was supposed to do from, from my ninth grade year to my senior year? I, I keep running the same time for three years. You know, well, I never improved because I didn't want to do what it took. What would happen if we did what it took now? Now, we could really talk about the past and make ourselves feel good, but how much stuff is being laid in front of us now that we know we shucking and jiving on God? You, you know what I'm saying? So, we, as Christians, my philosophy is this. The Bible says, once you put your hand to the plow, back. don't look back. Amen. Amen. So, he, he, he continues on uh, in verse 13. Well, let me finish this one. He says also not about suffering, but he said we deny him, he will also deny us. Now, listen. Denying Christ is not an absolute where you have to stand in front of people and deny Christ. It's that too. Where somebody, you know, in, in the true persecution, they would put knives to your throat or, or threaten you with death so you would deny Christ. Now that's the most extreme form of denying Christ. But we can deny him without opening our mouths. When somebody talking down on God and you sit there and you don't say nothing. Amen. How many people on your job really know you're a Christian? Because you, you play along with their little jokes, you know what I'm saying? You go to dinner and lunch with them and get drunk and, you know, you're doing everything they do. Christ never comes up. And watch this. Why would we leave it up to the unsaved world to bring up Christ when we sit right there? Amen. 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 So, uh, denying Christ, it is that all the way to the extreme where there's severe persecution. But realize you can deny Christ in your life every day by just not lifting him up in, in the arenas where it's uh, poignant to bring him up. I'm not going around talking about being one of these super Christians, everything is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But if somebody's sitting there knocking Christ or if somebody's sitting there crying and don't know what to do about to commit suicide and you can't even introduce him to Jesus. Oh, don't jump. Why? Really? Now, come on, let's be serious. What's some reasons that you would give a person not to jump right now? Tell the truth. What you gonna say? Oh, what about your family? Oh, oh, well, you know, what, what about your job? Or what about, what a, man, let me tell you something. 
of these things, put them in remembrance of. In other words, make sure you keep reminding the people about this. Charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit. Well, let me read that out of the Hebrew again. He says, verse 14 again, remind them of these things, charging them in the sight of the Lord that they don't argue about words that has no profit to the subverting of those who hear. Okay. See it? To the what? The, the ruin. That's right. Now, now let me let me use this little example, Ruru. <coughs> it could happen to grown folk too, but it really happens to our children. And for whatever reason, and we know Mama didn't put us out the room. See, that's why I think we I think we really mad at our parents down down beneath. Because we won't raise our kids the way we was raised. Because each generation, I done showed you this, from Adam and Eve on down, every generation, every generation of parents said, well, we're going to let y'all do this a little bit because mama was too hard on us. So now we 2,000 years from Jesus, about 6,000 years from uh, 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 Hebrew history, and each generation for 6,000 years has said, we're going to let our children do it a little bit because our parents was too hard on us. And now look where we at. Now look where we at. So those who we can be ruining by not putting them out the room, when you're sitting there talking about the pastor and the elder and the deacon and the church and the, the, the Christians and the, it, well, let me flip it to the other side. When you're sitting around talking about your partying and, 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 and all the people, you know, and you, and you had a fight at H-E-B because the woman did this. And it's certain things we just shouldn't be saying in front of people. It's not that this stuff is happening or not. Read the scripture. We have to be, watch this, he says, on verse 14. Remind them, charge them in the sight of the Lord that they don't argue about words that don't mean nothing and to the subverting of the hearers. In other words, people can stand around and hear Christians talking and get turned off from God. You got God reputation in the palm of your hand. Every day, everywhere you go. Now that's something Christian these days don't want to deal with. I want to be able to act how I act at work. I want to be able to act how I act at home. I want to be able to act how I act in the club. I want to be able to act how I act in H-E-B. And then I got my church act. Well, we're not movie stars. So all that acting you're doing, hallelujah. Be a Christian everywhere you go, understanding we have faults. But don't put on fake facades just for the sake of doing it. Amen. Because watch this. One thing that we may not realize is that somebody is always watching. And they got people in the world that so-called our friends and family, they waiting for you to have a chink in your armor so they can point it out and say, that's why I don't serve God. They want to use you as their reason not to serve God. And we can't give them one. Not that we got to be perfect and holy all the time. Amen. But be a Christian all the time. Hallelujah. So he said, uh, verse 15, he says, study to show thyself approved. Give diligence to, the pre to present yourself approved by God. A workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, properly, pro properly handling the word of truth. Properly handling the word of truth. It's just as simple as reading what's on the page. It really is just that simple. Now, 
Stick to the King James if you're going to do that, though, because these newer versions, they, they, they in our language, they read how we talk, but the further we go along in history, the translators of these new versions are taking liberties with certain words, watering down the word of God. That's, that's all it's doing, watering it down so it don't hurt nobody's feelings. Oh, you know, that, that's a little too hard, Pastor. If it's going to get you to heaven, I, let me tell you something. <laughs> Man, I'll go to any limit to get you to heaven. Yeah. I'm just being honest. I'll go to any length to get you to heaven. And if you got to walk around mad and, and, and upset at me, well, I'd rather you be mad at me than God mad at you through me. Yeah. Amen. Some of this word is just hard. And it's really just amazing to me how Christians uh, can be sitting with a Bible in their hand and looking at the word of God. Let me tell you something that I'm not sitting there doing. Am I manipulating the word? That's why I'm going word by word with you. I'm not manipulating this word. Let me tell you the ones that's manipulating the word on you. The ones who are going to teach you a class and never had a Bible on you. They manipulate the word. Because don't know, don't none of us know this thing word for word verbatim. So the best and easiest way to teach God's word is how? Just have it open in front of you and just read it. Amen. They got some stuff you got to do some background study on. But for the majority of it, it's right here in black and white and in red and white. Amen. So verse 16, he says, uh, uh, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase into more ungodliness. Uh, in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, it showed the people in the upper room, and it says that they began to speak in other man's tongues. And all the people that was in Jerusalem from each nationality, they heard all of these disciples of Jesus speaking in their own language, but they looking at them and they saying, wait a minute, all these people Galileans, how in the world are they speaking in my language? So when we talk about, he's saying vain babblings, we gotta be careful uh, not to be impressed by church learned behavior. Now, I don't know every Hebrew word, but I haven't seen uh, Labosa being one yet. I really, I mean, you know, we try to translate a lot of our words, and I just haven't ran across that yet. Time my bow tie. Over and over and over. When you speak in English, do you speak over and over and over the same thing? Of course, unless you're fussing at your children, you might. <laughs> Didn't I tell you to put that up? Over there. But, but when you're speaking to people, like, when you're speaking to people, we don't normally say the same thing over and over. Let me, let, let me say this. Let me say this. Why is it that preachers and deacons, when we start praying or talking in public behind the pulpit, uh, we start doing it in the king's language? But when you're talking to your mom and your daddy, your friends, your brother, your sister, you talk regular like this. But when we come to this church learn behavior, when we come before God and start praying, you know, it's got to be in this place. All of this is church learned behavior. Amen. So he's talking about gossiping here too. In other words, let me let me wrap this one up. Watch your mouth. Don't just waste your time sitting around talking about gibberish. 
And listen, listen, listen. With all the stuff we got going on in this world, we got more serious stuff to talk about. Now, there's a time to talk about football. There's a time to talk about sports. There's a time to talk, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, we don't want to be holy rolling now, don't get me wrong. You know, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a time and a place for everything. Amen? And then, you know, you're sitting around with your friends, your homeboys, your homegirls, whatever, and, and y'all kicking it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But we got to be able to uh, stop the, the gossiping is one thing. Look at what he says in the Hebrew. This is what verse 16 says in the Hebrew. But shun empty chatter. Empty chatter. Just sitting around, just talking. Verse 17, he says, and their word will eat as doth the canker. He says, verse in the Hebrew, he says, and their word will consume like gangrene, of whom Hermenius and Philetus, they were both the same. They obviously walked around talking and starting mess all the time, these two guys. Verse 18, he says, men who have erred concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed and overthrowing the faith of some. Now, this is nothing new, but it's definitely proliferated during our time, our lifetime right now. There are a lot of people who feel that if they keep saying something, that's going to make it true. And in the generation we live in, that's almost true, because if you keep saying something, and you can get like 47 million other people to say it, you know, that's a, that's a pretty nice percentage. If you talk about 330 million people in America, well, by the time you dwindle it down to voting age, and then you dwindle that down to those who actually register to vote, you're really only still talking about right at the, the uh, 250 million, you know, between 250, 275 million people that's actually registered to vote and that's going to go out and vote. 74 million of them believe the thing that just kept being said. Now, anybody with good sense know that that's not true. But if we keep saying it, that makes it true. A lie is a lie on day one, and you can say it for 100 days, and guess what, on day 101, you know what it is? That's still a lie. Amen. Amen. You know, kind of like when you was reading this, like, here's, it's one of the things where if you don't take something in the context of what they're talking about, because he said, they were saying that the resurrection is already passed. Well, if you're talking about the resurrection of Yeshua, yeah, he's already been resurrected. Yeah. But if you're talking about the resurrection of the saints in, in, in the time to come, right? See, so it's one of the things if you don't know what the context. Mm -hmm. That's right. And of course, we know that they was talking about the resurrection of all of us. You know, but I mean that's a good point though. If you feel here, how can that if they if they from them Jews that didn't believe in that Christ came, you show right. You show right. Amen. But it's overthrowing the faith of some. So now this is what I believe 110% I believe this. Uh and, and the, the real reason that I believe this is because I'm not soliciting any of the things that have come my way. None of them. But God is steady opening doors in my life for me to preach the word and minister the word. I'm talking about uh, in, in big areas. So 
I feel that it's God doing that because the devil can do it too now. Mm -hmm. But the way I be tearing him up, I don't think it's him. Now, if I was a little, you know, little tender preacher, I'd have to wonder. But I'm wearing the devil out. And I, and I just don't think he would continue to open doors for me to make it look bad. Uh, so I, I really believe that the ministry uh, that God has given me, he's given it to me, but that, that way we can continue to illuminate people to what the Bible, close as we can, because like I said earlier, no, I don't think there's any human being, you know, they had those Buddhist monks and the scribes. They probably can tell you every word that's in scripture. Uh, but I'll just speak for myself. I can't tell you every, I can't quote the Bible from Genesis chapter one all the way to Revelation 22. I can't do that. Some stuff I gotta look up, you know, just now I said, hey, help me find that, you know. So God is using this ministry because I, I try to teach it the way it's on the page. To rightfully divide is one of the words that's in here. Uh, to rightfully divide the word. What was that? At? I just read it. Yeah. To rightfully divide. Not just divide it, but to rightfully divide it. Because the whole point of this thing is, you know, I've been using this thing about parents. Parents have to start raising their children to be adults and not and stop raising their children like they're going to be your children. They're going to be your children their whole life, but they're not going to be a child their whole life. And some parents raising their children to be a child their whole life. You're not preparing them to be 25, 30 years old. You're preparing them to depend on you and count on you for the rest of their life. That's the wrong way to raise them. You got to raise them to count on and depend on themselves. Well, that's the same thing with the church. You see, the church is raising Christians to live here on earth forever. Oh, let's make earth a better place to live. Let's all get along and, and no, we, we get people ready for heaven. And I got to show you heaven. I got to show you what it takes to get to heaven. Hallelujah. So, like I said earlier, I go to, I'm like Malcolm X on that one. By any means necessary, I got to teach you about heaven, getting your mind and your heart right to receive Jesus as your personal Savior so that heaven may be your eternal home. And if we stop drinking and smoking and cussing and doing all we're doing while we're waiting for Christ to come and get us, that's good. That's bonuses. But that's not the goal. My goal is really not to get you to stop smoking. <laughs> and too many people wasting time on that. My goal is not to get you to quit drinking. That's not my goal. My goal is to get you ready for heaven. And part of that is that we may put the dope and the alcohol and the women and the but when you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, now watch this. I'm not going to go there again. But you know, lately I've been going back to Revelation to show you in chapter 9. I think it's even verse 9. It's the ones that's, that's got uh, the biggest group, the multitude that can't even be counted. The only credit they had was they believed in the blood of Christ. Now, is there some stuff in our life we should get better at as, we, as what you say when we know better we should do better? That's true. I can't take nothing away from that. But how many folk that love the Lord gonna die smoking? Jesus gonna come. You're gonna square in your mouth right there. Does that mean that cigarette get, get keep you from heaven when you accepted his blood as your propitiation? That makes a cigarette stronger than his blood, y'all. Amen. So yes, we should stop all that stuff. Amen. But if, if, if you accept Jesus Christ and you love the Lord, how do you know you love the Lord? Because you'll know the tree by the fruit it back. Mm -hmm. 
That's how you know. And it ain't for nobody else to critique the judge. You know when you're giving God your best. You know. Watch this. And you know when you're not. <laughs> amen. 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 Well, love, love it. Hey, you know, when you was reading 18, though, I thought back when you was teaching Revelation, how about never forget what you've already read before? Because yeah, he said, uh, and they overthrow the faith of some. Mm-hmm. Well, if we go back, what it was to say in 13 about even if we're faithless, he remains right. faithful. That's right. And then when we read this, when we're reading this now, we got the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. We got all of Paul's letter. Mm-hmm. Because didn't he say before, he, he can't even, the very elect can't, the very elect cannot be deceived. If it was possible. If it was possible, even the very and, you know, see, we get to see the whole picture sometimes, but when he was writing this letter to Timothy, all he had was in that letter. Right. right. He had the first letter and then part of it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, it may have been some others floating around at the time, but they didn't. They definitely wasn't canonized yeah. at that time. That's right. Amen. So, uh, verse 19, he says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them, uh-oh, that are here. Mm-hmm. God knows those of us that's here. How does he know? Somebody explain. Give me, give me the P word. How does he know? What's the P word? Because we have been what? Romans 8, 28. How does God know who's here? Because for all of those that he called, he did do what? Predestinate. Predestinate. Now, when you look at that word, predestinate, once again, don't forget what you've already learned. And they taught us way, what, in the eighth, ninth grade about compound words? So when you got a compound word, which means there's two or three words put together, you got to break them down phonetically. You got to break them down by, by syllables. Pre. Destiny. So before you get to your end, God already knew what was going to happen with you. Amen. Just don't be rebellious. Because it's rebellion, if you read Revelation closely, it's rebellion against God, which means you fight against him. That's why disobedient and rebellion is two different things. Disobedient is just, you just do wrong. But rebellion says you're actually fighting against God. So and, and the way we know that is because you've got to go to back to the, uh, the rebellion. Of Nimrod. They didn't just say they wasn't going to do what God wanted them to do. They actually fought so they wouldn't do what God wanted them to do. There's a difference. Amen? Amen. So he says, and let everyone that named the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. The Hebrew uses the word unrighteousness. Depart from unrighteousness. Depart from unrighteousness. Everybody who named the name of the Lord, depart from unrighteousness. Amen? Now, how do we depart or detach from unrighteousness or from our iniquities? How do we do that? What's the process we use? What's his name? The the Holy Spirit. You can't do it yourself. You like it too much. Why would you detach from it? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> You're not going to voluntarily stop doing nothing that you love doing. Yeah. That's just out of the question. 
it's not, it's not actually humanly possible. That's why AA, drug, drug anonymous, that's why all this stuff is so popular. Because a human being cannot detach themselves from something that releases dopamine in their brain. They got people, they got people, uh, I'm trying to think of what happened to him. Did his parachute not open? It was something, it was some kind of major injury that I saw. Uh, and, and it's been several times, not just one. You know, we be watching like Gail King or Michael Strahan in the morning on the morning news shows. And they sometimes interview people who have had these tragic injuries. Like skydiving, car racing and all that. They say, well, when you heal, are you ever going to do that again? I can't wait to. You would think they was got every bone in your body broken. Literally, this guy, I remember the one, it was probably a year and a half, two years ago, he was in the race car and bought that race car, hit that wall and flipped upside down and did everything. And, and he had literally every bone in his body broken, they said on the news, I don't know that for show. And they asked him, well, you going to race again? He said, I can't wait to. So in other words, anything that releases dopamine in our brain, which is our pleasure enzyme, anything that gives you pleasure, it's because, it, it, it's because that thing makes your brain release dopamine into your bloodstream. And that means that you enjoy that thing. It gives you pleasure. You cannot, you cannot on your own stop that activity. You cannot. What do you think about all when they play sports? How many times did you get hurt? And all you was waiting for was the injury to get over so you could go back out and go play. right back out there. That's right. So yeah, you playing that little football. Yeah, good way. <laughs> That's right. So we 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 need the Holy Spirit to uh, continue to encourage us uh, from the inside. But, you know, the Holy Spirit is an inside encourager. Uh, we, we definitely need family and friends around us for uh, existential encouragement. But the Holy Spirit is that inside voice that's saying no. And I, I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is so strong uh, that, that's why the Bible encourages us, what, don't what? Don't, 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 don't grieve the Holy Spirit. When he's speaking, listen, y'all. Amen? He's speaking. The question is, and a lot of times it's not even uh, did we hear him or not, is are you going to do it? Amen. Amen. So uh, verse 20, he says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some of uh, honor and some of dishonor. Verse 21, he says, if a man therefore purge himself from these. Now that's where you got to stop at, because what's the these is he talking about? So let's read verse 20 again carefully. I'm going to read it from the Hebrew so we can read it kind of like how we talk. He says, now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for honor and some for dishonor. Verse 21, he says, if anyone therefore purges himself from thee, what is he talking about? That's right. We purge ourselves from the dishonorable. Says, he will be a vessel for, bam, there we go, for honor. Sanctified, what does the word sanctified mean? Set apart. Set apart for what? Amen, amen. Uh, and suitable for the master's use. Prepared for, oh, prepared for what? Every good work. Every good what? Work. I thought I was under grace. I ain't got work. 
That's all I'm saying. So we just have, all I'm saying is we have to be careful. Now remember this. Pay attention. Listen to me carefully. You cannot say that people who teach the grace message as we don't have to do nothing as being wrong. You can say that it's incomplete though. Because if, if, if you're going to teach the grace message, you have to be wise and prudent enough to teach the difference between moral and ceremonial law. Now, I want to talk about this for a moment because a lot of times uh, Christians today in church don't do a lot of extra biblical reading. If they read in their Bible, a lot of them don't even do that. But you sure not going to go outside and see what a lot of this stuff means. So when we talk about keeping the law for our salvation, he's talking about specifically the Mosaic law. And he's specifically talking about the ceremonial law. Now, now watch this. Paul is the originator of the grace message. God is the originator, originator of grace. We've seen God's grace in Genesis chapter 1. Amen? We've seen God's grace in the garden. But Paul is the first one when you start reading his letters. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John does not teach about God's grace. Remember, Jesus said, if your right eye offend you, pluck it out. If your, left, if your right hand offend you, cut it off. So the Gospels did not teach about grace. Paul came and started explaining God's grace. And when you read the multiplicity of scriptures that's talking about God's grace, it's talking about keeping the Mosaic law. We're no longer under law, but under grace. So Martin Luther came back in 1517 because of the selling of indulgences and the uh, hierarchy, the, the Pope being supreme and all of that. Martin Luther came back in 1517 and tried to explain grace again. And once again, what he was saying was, you don't have to keep all these Catholic laws that they're coming up with. So Paul was addressing all the Judeo laws. Martin Luther was addressing all the Catholic laws. Well, now we teach grace like you don't have to do no good works. And that's not what he's talking about. We still should love people. We still should feed the hungry. We still should give drink to the thirsty. We still should visit those that's in bounds. We still have to do things that, that a Christian need to do. But, but if you're not explaining that to the people. So I can't say that anybody's teaching the grace that Christ has done it all. His work on the cross finished Christianity, uh, God's plan of salvation. The, that's what Jesus finished. He said it on the cross, telestai, which means complete and done. So we have to be able to teach. That's why he said, what, what did we just read? Paul just said, uh, we have to learn how to do what rightfully so it's not that that's wrong, but teach the whole thing. Now, are you ready to go out and teach somebody about the grace message? Now, you got to know this historically to make it make sense. You can't just go to people saying, well, that's wrong because, no, don't start putting works into it. You got to go back and show historically Paul was addressing keeping the Judeo-Mosaic law. That's what Paul was addressing. Martin Luther comes back, who was given credit of the Protestant church, he comes back because of what the Catholic was doing, making people buy things and do all this stuff to be saved or to get into heaven. And Martin Luther came back and said, no, it's only by the grace of God 
God has predestined us, and for everybody that God predestined, they will be saved. Unless that human being gets into rebellion. Watch this. Let me, this is what happened when I was in the shower today. I'm in the shower getting cleaned up to come here. Of course, you know, you sing or you talk to God in the shower when you're preaching. You, 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 you do one or the other. So it came to me just as clear as a bell. Is there a scripture where God ever said he was sorry he, he created Satan? Not that we know of. Now, I might have to study it, because like I say, none of us in here know every, every scripture in the Bible. But for my studies over the years we've been studying, I don't see where God ever said he was sorry he made the devil. But I see several times where he said he was sorry he made man. I see that several times. So when we try to understand rightfully dividing the word, you've got to understand that you've got an adversary that was purposely made to distract you and detach you from God. That's his function. God ain't mad about the devil being devilish. That's his job. Heard a man say the other day, I don't know how them angels didn't get tired all of eternity bowing down before God saying holy, holy, holy. They ain't get tired because that's what they was created to do. When you're doing what you're created to do, it's not cumbersome upon you. That's why the person who find the job that they was actually created to do on earth, they tell me it's like you never work a day or a hard day in your life. When you're doing the job that you love doing, Michael Jordan would have played basketball for free. But they paid him millions of dollars to do it. He never worked a hard day in his life. Yeah, amen, amen, amen. All right, uh, what we left off at? 21? 22? He says, flee also uh, from youthful lust. Do we really need to explain that? I don't need to take five minutes and explain what youthful lust is. And when we use the word lust, it just, not, it just does not pertain to sex. We can lust after food, people, power, amen? But what he's saying is, when you're a youth, that's, it must be okay. But he says, don't you lust, don't lust after, don't flee from youthful lust. All the little things that we would lust after, after as a child. Paul said, how did Paul say it? When I was a child, what? That's right. But when I became mature, I had to put childish stuff away. He says, but follow righteousness, faith, <clears throat> charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a what? Now, that's what you was trying to say earlier. I didn't want to break your testimony. But when you're doing it for other people, it's an implication you're not doing it out of a pure heart. Amen. So, I will serve when, when, it, when it says uh, pray in the spirit. What does that mean? Do it with a alright. Uh, uh, live a holy life. What are you saying? Live a life what? With a pure heart. It's not that you're going to do nothing wrong. That's not the point. And, and, and that's, one, that's another thing that the church has taught wrong for so long. It's like, it's like doing wrong takes you out of God's will. Okay, well, why would Paul write, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? If sin removes you. So, one thing I love about God pertaining to sin is he, he made what? Repentance. If, if sin was the last straw, once you sin, you out of the presence of God, he would have never made repentance. 
Because along with repentance comes his what? Forgiveness. Amen? Amen. So sometimes we have to slow down and once again I want to reiterate. Don't forget what you've already learned and read. Amen? Amen. Uh, 23? He says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid. The Hebrew says, but refuse foolish and ignorant questions. Knowing that they generate strife. It's almost hard sometimes to do that though, because at the same token, if somebody have a misplaced understanding on something, I don't think he's in, I don't think he's implying here that we. In the New King James, uh, it said, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Right. Instead of questions, disputes is a better word. Amen. Because sometimes people have questions, and that's why it's good to have these different versions open. Because that way you can exactly see the word that's being translated. So, I don't want to, if somebody have a, a serious biblical question about the Bible, you know, about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, humanity, the devil, heaven, and hell. If they got a legitimate question about that, I think it, uh, it's prudent that those of us that's in teaching positions for sure, even really any Christian, you should be able to go to a book of verse, a chapter of verse, and explain that to that person. That's why one, that's one of the reasons it's so vitally important that each of us know scripture. That way you don't just get to come here and listen to what I got to say. You're actually learning because why sheep have you have people that you have influence over that I may never meet. And you need to be able to teach them what thus said the law. Amen? Theological questions are all right. But your 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 the new King James had a better word. Don't get into these disputes with people. Why well, say this? Why well, say that? Why well, let me let me show you this is what I try to do with people. If we're gonna get into a biblical discussion, uh okay, I'm gonna show my scripture. When they come back with a scripture, sometimes people can do that. Sometimes people can come back with a valid scripture on why they believe the way they believe. Okay, well, I'll come back with another. We're gonna do this three times in my book. We're going to share scriptures three times and then we're going to say, you know what? That's a disputable matter. For example, Sabbath verse Sunday. For example, Sabbath verse Sunday. I'll show somebody the scriptures why I'm a Sabbath keeper. I've gotten away from trying to tell people they need to be Sabbath keepers. But I will show you why I'm a Sabbath keeper. Well, they're going to try to find some scriptures to show me why they go on the first day. We're going to do that only three times, and then after that, you know what? You know what? This is a disputable matter. I'm glad you're serving God. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter. At this point, it don't matter what day. We both say we love the Lord. Let's go out on the battlefield and save some souls. Amen. Amen. I, I, honestly, that's what, that's what me and Pastor Charlie decided to do. Because there's a lot of things he and I don't agree on because he got a Baptist mindset on Scripture. I got my mindset on Scripture, which is a no denominational, no slant value. And, 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 and whenever we go to talking about Sabbath versus Sunday, uh, we know we ain't going to agree. 
But you know what? We agree on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so we say, we're going to go out and save some souls. It, 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 honestly, what we said we was going to do is go down and go out and tear down denominational walls. Now, that's the promise he and I made to each other initially. We're we going to go down and tear, tear down these denominational walls. Let's, let, let's get Baptists and Methodists in. Uh, now, you ain't going to too much get Catholics. You know, they, they kind of like seven-day Adventists. They ain't going to go worship with nobody else. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, let, let, let's tear down these denominational walls. Why? Because denominations are what? Division. division. And division comes from who? Amen. Amen. That's why they ain't no good right there. Amen. Verse 24. He says that the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men and apt to teach and be patient. Okay, I'm going to read it one more time. Now, you got to confess to yourself uh, the problem that you are dealing with in your life. Now, I understand that some of us are in this room right now. We got one that's 60. We got uh, uh, one that's 59, you know, and, and what, what, what I'm trying to point out is sometimes it's hard to change in your old age. You, 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 you have been, what they say? You, uh, you stuck in your way. But when we Christians, watch this now, the Bible says any man is in Christ, he's what? Amen, amen. And the elder pointed out one time, well, I was born like this, well, you need to be born Again, amen. And just don't go with homosexuality. Don't go with all of our faults and everything that we're doing. Sometimes we need to just be born again. We need to rethink. So I'm going to read this one more time. Now watch this. He says that a servant of the law. Now what word comes after law? Huh? What yours say? You got the new King James. What it say? What yours say? Must. What yours say, boo? After the, after the word Lord in verse 24, what you say, first lady? Uh-huh. Now, what, what does the word must mean? Is that a word with ambiguity? No, it means you have to do it. There ain't no choice in the word must. Okay, so here we go. A servant of the Lord must not strive. In other words, quit trying to be all that. Let God lay it in your lap. Uh-huh. Strive or quarrel. That's right. Don't argue. But be gentle unto who? All. Okay. So let's wipe out a category real, real quick. Jesus says, easy to love those that love you. So bam. Wipe that out of the category. Because you ain't got no problem with them. Show you're going to be nice to them. Y'all all agreeing on everything. He say true love come in with what? Uh-huh. Amen. And then he says, be gentle to all men, be able to teach. Now that ain't the one I wanted to emphasize, but I do want to emphasize this one right here. We gotta learn how to be patient with people. Learn how to be patient with people. Another L word for patient is what? That too, but long son. We gotta, we gotta learn how to go a little longer. Amen, amen. My time is up. Hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and try to, uh... You want to wrap it up? Yeah, 25. Where we at? 25 and 26. Amen. So verse 25, he says, In meekness, instructing those that oppose... Now, the King James says themselves. What does yours say, verse 25? Oppose who? Correct. Huh? What you say, say? 
Verse 25. Uh, okay. What you say, the, 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 the fifteen thing? In opposition. What you what you read now? Living. What it say? Oppose the truth. Oppose the truth. Uh -huh. So the King James just kind of freaked out. I think the only one I seen that said themselves opposed themselves. So right away, when I see sentences that don't make sense to me, I want to study that word. And it, it really was more of what these other versions say in this time. The King James is the one that's standing alone this time. Because most other versions, and I looked at several, I think it was only two, the King James and like the, the new revised version or something. It said themselves. But it's really talking about those who are opposing the truth and God. Amen? King James kind of got it twisted a little bit. Uh, he says, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. So he says, in meekness. Don't be too, in other words, watch this. <clears throat> don't be too hard on people that ain't believing today because they very well may be believers tomorrow. But if you're too hard on them today, you might run them off. That's kind of to summarize what he's saying. Amen? So when we see people that's not living accordingly, you know, don't try not to be too critical, too harsh. Tan them down, cutting them up. Amen. Now you still gotta you still we still have to correct bad behavior, but he said what? Do it in what? The King James says meekness and the, the Hebrews say gentleness. Amen. Verse 26. It says, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captivity, who are taken captive by his will. So give people a chance for the devil to sometimes when the devil get them, it's to a point of no return. Uh, remember that man that Paul told him to uh, disassociate with in the church? He had slept with his father's wife. It's like in 1 Corinthians 5, I remember correctly. Uh, Paul said, put him out of the church. But by the time we get to 2 Corinthians, Paul said, go back and get him. Because you don't want to leave him out there too long. Why? Lest the devil get a hold to him. Amen. So, yes, we talk about restore one gentleman. So, correction and reproof is always good. We're going to see that when we get to chapter 3. Uh, Pastor Smith always said you have to treat them, treat them as though they, they were unbelievable. Mm -hmm. for, for that amount of time, you got to treat them as though they are non-believers. Scripture says that. Uh, but he says that we got to be able to restore them gently, though. Don't leave them too long. Amen. You know, in the family, with the husband and the wife, we say, listen, don't be holding out on each other. Amen. He said, unless it's for fasting and prayer, unless the devil mess around and come in. Uh -huh. Hallelujah. Uh -huh. Amen. Amen. So, uh, Let's be humble, loving, and kind, but we got to learn how to do it. Uh, uh, how he said, with meekness. Amen. 